Jumping into this morning's message, this I've mentioned is nuts and bolts, and as you found in your Bible, Matthew chapter number 6, we're going to kick off in verse number 19. So Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19, and the Word of God says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures, everybody say treasures, on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures, everybody say treasures, in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure, everybody say treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now jump on over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 12. This is roughly the same account just written by a different author. You got Matthew who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he says this in verse number 32. Luke chapter number 12, verse number 32. Fear not, little flock. Now see, I love this as we're jumping into this series this morning. I want you to jump into this with faith, not when I bring up the topic of it, you'll be like, and fear grip you, all right? He's telling the church, fear not, little flock. So he's already given us words of encouragement. Fear not. For it is your Father's good pleasure. Notice it doesn't say it's strictly His will. It's His good pleasure. He enjoys doing this next part. For this is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Come on now, that's good. I love it. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're jumping into a series called Nuts and Bolts, and in this, over the next few weeks, we're going to open up the heavens and watch what God uh, begins to teach us as we talk about tithes, offerings, and blessed generosity. That's why it said, fear not in Luke, okay? So don't be afraid as we jump into this, and I want to encourage you, if you have, if the last time you heard me preach was a message on tithes and offerings, I want to say welcome back. Because you haven't been here in three years if the last message you heard was a message on tithes and offerings from Pastor Joel. So welcome home. Welcome to the Way Bible Church. It's awesome that you're here. I have not preached a series on tithes and offerings in five years. And so why are we doing this? Because it's something simply the body of Christ needs to know. It's something we need to be informed about. It's a way that God says, it is my good pleasure to give you all the things of the kingdom. And it starts with this. And so why did I label this series nuts and bolts? Because what does it mean when we use the term nuts and bolts for something? Nuts and bolts of something literally means this, the most basic, fundamental, or essential aspects of something. So in this series, we're going to explore truly tithes, offerings, and blessed generosity. And we're going to find the most fundamental, basic aspects of it and apply it in our lives because we love the Word of God. And the Word of God is principally based all the way from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. There are principles that that supersede whether it's Old Covenant or New Covenant. God is a God of principles, and He puts things in place so He can bless your life all throughout um, as, as you begin to walk out and work out this area in your life of blessed generosity and so with this I want to tell you the title of this morning's message and the title of this morning's message is shot through the heart shot through the heart and some of you are already thinking of the Bon Jovi song right you're just already rocking it out in your head and well to show my ignorance about this um yeah to show my ignorance about this this I I I began 
working on this message and I titled it shot to the heart shot to the heart and so in this I have always people who review my messages and the guy who was reviewing my messages said hey Joel shot through the heart was written by Bon Jovi not Def Leppard so I got the title wrong I got the group wrong and so that that shows how much I don't um, listen to this but the title is very very important for what we're doing and we're going through here because the Bible says this where your treasure is there your heart is also and so we as TWBC during this series to prove that this isn't a manipulation process this isn't a process where we're trying to get money out of people because the church finances are very good they're very stable God has blessed the church amen praise God thank you Jesus it's good to be in a house where we're not always worrying about the electric bill amen and and because we trust in Jesus but we're gonna take a faith step as a church and at the end of service today we're not taking up a formal tithe and offering See, normally people say, well, we're taking a face up and we're going to take up a big tithe. No, we're not taking up a formal tithe and offering. Because we're going to deal with motives of the heart this morning. And we as leadership of the church are making sure our motives are pure when we present this. And it's not manipulation. So we're going to truly trust God. And there's four mailboxes on the back of the auditorium wall. There's some buckets up there that, um, and we're getting mailboxes put up there um, for next week. And so as you leave today or during the altar call today, you're welcome to drop your, your tithes, your offerings, and your blessed generosity into those boxes. But at the end of service, we're going to do a quick closing announcement. Your kids are going to come in and you're headed to Juan Pablo. Man, you're going to go get some lunch. And so with that, we want to prove to you that we are trusting the Lord as we do this. And we're wanting to deal with motives of the heart more than anything as we go through this. And th- so we've read the scriptures and it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so as you're turning in your Bibles to Deuteronomy, you can begin to flip over there. Yes, we're going through a lot of scripture this morning because we're going to make sure we're theologically correct in this. I did title this message, Shot Through the Heart, and if you're pulling my notes up on the pastor's blog on the app, it's still going to say Shot to the Heart, so I still got to go back and fix that, But but the message outline is the same on the inside, so why did I title it Shot Through the Heart? Because when you talk about the treasure in people's lives, it is talking about the monetary treasure, it is directly related to your heart. It truly is. It's directly related to your heart. And with that, I want to give you a couple examples from my own personal shortcomings on how it's directly related to your heart. Me and my my wife have two amazing sons, Caleb and Aaron. And I got in trouble a couple weeks ago because Caleb said, Dad, do you always talk about us in church? Yes. You are the best illustrations that I can ever have in my life. And so, yes. In that, I told him, I do talk about you. And he got a little embarrassed, and he's mad at Daddy. So don't tell him I'm talking about him, okay? But they're about 17 months apart. And when one gets invited to a birthday party, the other one gets invited to a birthday party. Listen, you can leave one of my kids out. I'm okay with that. They got to grow up. They're going to have their own friends at some point. I appreciate the invites. But the selfishness of Pastor Joel is this. Whenever they get an invite to go to a birthday party, they each want to bring a present. Because they're like their mama and they're generous. And every time I get those wonderful, sweet birthday party invitations in the mail, I hear this song go through my head, shot through the heart. 
because it costs 40 bucks every birthday party. And there's not 40 bucks in our Dave Ramsey budget. And so with the $40 that we're having to bring to a birthday... Now, don't quit inviting my kids to birthday. God's working on my motives. Mama, now my kids are going to have to have freedom ministry because they're left out of every birthday party, right? The lose-lose for Pastor Joel in this message. And my wife is generous, and she loves it. But every time I see a birthday party invitation, I'm like, oh, how's that hurts? How's it hurt? Because Joel wants to spend that money on him. I want to go out to eat. That's robbing my entertainment fund. All right? If you got Dave Ramsey envelopes, you understand all this. That's robbing from my energy. You're not robbing Pastor Joel to pay Paul, right? I mean, you're, you're not taking from me to give to this kid who I don't even know. I don't know if they're Christians or not. I can justify it, however. I'm not letting them go to that person's house, right? No, I'm dealing with my heart issues, right? I'm horrible about this. And oh, Christmas time's coming. And my wife loves to buy Christmas gifts. She's generous. She is. We'll buy Christmas gifts for nieces and nephews five times removed that we never see. I'm telling you, she loves it. And I'm like, honey, we don't even, I don't even know this kid. That's okay, they're family, right? We're, we're buying. And we're sending gifts, and I'm like, ah. We start budgeting in July to buy Christmas in December. But she's generous, and I'm selfish. I like my stuff. And so there's a string that literally is attached from your heart to wherever your checkbook is or your pocketbook is. And some of you intentionally leave it at home on Sunday and say, you forgot, <laughs> so you don't have to give. I've seen, I've heard stories, man. I've, when you do this for 20 years, you hear everything, you know? So I'm anxious for what the next 20 years look like. And so with that, it's like, oh. And we buy gifts and we mail them halfway around the world to wherever these people are at that I don't know. But we love them. And we want to be generous. And we want to give. But there is a treasure monetary in your life that is directly attached to your heart. I'll give you a different example. If you don't have any money in the stock market, and tomorrow you invested money in the stock market, I guarantee you at least two to three times a week you would pull up that account and hope that you hit the blue chip stock and it went from three cents per share to a million dollars a share, and you're gonna prayers or your prayers are even gonna be different. You're gonna start praying for this company. Why? Because now you got treasure in it. It now means something to you. And so with this, the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So now Pastor Joel has confessed to you that he's got heart motive issues that he has to work on. So if you have the same heart motive issues, welcome to the family. Because this is all about the heart. And literally, it's getting better. It doesn't feel like a quite shot through the heart. But I want to read to you something real quick. And during worship, during first service this morning, I, I literally Googled the lyrics to this song that I don't really know. I mean, I got the beat in my head because I've heard it uh, enough times on ESPN, but I'm telling on myself here. It says this, shot through the heart, 
and you're to blame. Some of y'all are already getting it in your head. I, I, I just feel it. You give love a bad name. Now, I want to stop for a moment. Let's bring this back into the spiritual context. Who is love? God is love. And by our spirit of greed, by our spirit of grudge that we're going to deal with here in the next few minutes and talk about, have we, us, the church, given love a bad name? There's a reason waiters and waitresses hate Sunday afternoon service crowds because it is the lowest tipped time of the week. And literally, people have done this. Here's your tip. Make sure my food gets here quicker so it's not cold. There's a tip for you. This is Christians who we worship Jesus and say, I love you, Jesus. And we sing this awesome worship song. You can have it all, Lord. No, he can't. You don't want to give him anything because you won't give your waitress a dollar. Come on now. And so I'm dealing with motives of the heart. Are we giving love? Are we giving God a bad name? Because we want to say we're generous. And I believe deep down in our heart, parts of us want to be generous. But I'm not talking just with finances now. I'm talking with every area of our life. Are we willing to live a lifestyle of giving, not just write a check for something? A lifestyle of giving. See, I believe this with all my heart. God wanted to send his son to bring you into his kingdom rather than just write a check for it because in that it cost him something if he could have paid for your sin with a checkbook all he had to do is create more gold but he has a only begotten son and it's Jesus and he wanted to show you how important you were by John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave him and so with that in the church, we've got to get to the point that we deal with the heart motives and become generous. And in this, are we giving love a bad name? It goes on to say, I play my part, you play your game. God is saying, I've played my part. I gave my son Jesus Christ. Church, are we playing a game? Are we really, are we really playing a game or are we truly sold out for this thing and this, uh, th this thing called the kingdom of God, this person we call Jesus Christ, or is this just a part of the game that we play in the everyday week of our life where it's time to go to church, not we are being the church every single day in a lifestyle and how we give our life, not just a check. And I'll explain it like this. If I were to make this statement and say, I love this time of year. Many of you think we're talking about the weather. Some of you think we're talking about the season. I could be talking about the spiritual season that comes around this time of year is generosity. And so when I use the term giving, if your mind automatically goes to money, you got a heart issue. Because that's the first thing your mind gravitates to when I say giving. There's an issue in your heart that we're going to deal with here in a minute. And so when I use the term giving, I'm not always talking financially. I'm talking about a lifestyle in your life. And so as we jump into this scripture in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number 15, God wants to deal with some heart issues in your life. And the Bible says this in verse number 7. If you got it on the app, pull it up or... If you got your physical Bible here, I love it. Look on the screens if you don't. It says this. If among you, 
one of your brothers should become poor in any of the towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden, everybody say harden, your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend to him sufficient for his need. Whatever it may be, take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say, the seventh year, the year of God's release is near and your eyes look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you and then you be guilty of sin. Who's guilty of sin in this point? All right, we're just going to keep going. And you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work not just your pocketbook in all your work and in all that you undertake in your life let's break this down just for a minute as we're dealing with motives of the heart we got to deal with we got to deal with the two the two twins of greed and of grudge is what I'll call them you got to deal with the spirit of greed or selfishness in your life. This is where it talks about. This is where Pastor Joel struggles sometimes. The greed or selfishness spirit hits before you give. Okay? It hits before you have the opportunity to give. And in that it says, if a brother comes to you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. The, 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 the spirit of selfishness or greed becomes before we give, and the fruit of it is the hardening of your heart. And listen, you don't have to teach people to be selfish. It is a natural condition of the unborn again, also unrenewed heart. See, you can have a born again heart and it not be renewed, and you still operate in greed and selfishness, even though you're going to heaven. And so I want to qualify this, that this whole series that we're about to do, it's not a salvation issue. If you never give a penny and you disagree with everything I say and say I'm theologically wrong, I'm not saying this is a salvation issue. I am saying it's an opportunity issue for you, though. That if you'll step into the kingdom of God and God's way of doing things, you have the opportunity for him to bless everything in your life, all the things that you do, and everything that you undertake by a generous lifestyle, not just a generous pocketbook. Also, with your blessed generosity, I miss, you can't go around acting like an idiot still just because you write a big check to a church and think God's going to cover it for my generosity. Hey, idiot's a soft word, by the way. You can't run around and have a sinful lifestyle, do all these ungodly acts, if you really want me to put it blunt, and write a big check to the church and God overlook your sinful lifestyle. Can I get an amen on that? So this is not a salvation issue. It is a heart motive issue, though. And we want to deal with the heart motive issues because out of the heart flows the wellspring, the rivers of life. And I don't know about you, but I want the rivers that flow out of my life to be pure water from heaven, not tainted with Joel's selfishness. Come on, man. I guess I'll have revival and get saved here this morning. I love it. And man, this is truly what mercy is. Mercy is not hiding the truth from people. Mercy is telling them the truth. Okay? according to scripture now don't just walk up to me and say I'm ugly and say that's the truth because that's not what I'm talking about all right 
You need to pray through how you express the truth of God's word to somebody, not the truth according to your opinion. Amen. Right? Because bless y'all, my wife thinks I'm handsome. Amen. <laughs> so I, I think her opinion trumps your opinion. Hallelujah. So in this act, the act of selfishness, you can be born again and have an unrenewed heart and still live in selfishness even though you're born again. I have this opportunity all the time to be generous or be selfish. You'll be driving down the road and you'll see somebody with a flat tire. Notice how I said, I have this opportunity and then I pointed it to you. I'll be driving down the road and I'll have the opportunity and find somebody with a flat tire. And in that moment, I have the opportunity to be generous because in that moment, they're poor. Their tire has no air. Well, air is free. No, it ain't. Go to a convenience store and try and get it. You got to pay 50 cents. A, a dollar now. Yeah, there you go. Come on. And so in that, this person is poor or deficient, even though they may have all the money in the world, they have a flat tire. And if I have the means and the abilities to stop and help them and have generosity flow out of my life, God says, if you see your person in that situation, don't harden your heart to them. And man, God got me. You know, when you're preparing for a message, he'll get you. Pouring down rain. We've had more rain this fall than we've ever had, you know? And it was a coming a flood. And I had to do the awesome husband duty and go to Walmart, right? In the flood. Took it like a champ. We'll go to Walmart. Going to Walmart wasn't the test, even though there is a test in going to Walmart. The test came as I was driving home. And I saw a car pulled to the middle of the road in the turning lane with the flashers on. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I don't want to stop. Michigan football game is on. We're actually doing good this year. True story, man. I'm telling you. Struggle's real. When you have one good season out of 20, you just got to take it in the moment. And so I'm driving home. And I passed the vehicle. I'm like, yes, I'm going home. And this is where I wish I was obedient quicker. God said, you better turn around. I'm like, did I hear something? Is that thunder? And finally, before I got to my road to take a right, conviction got the best of me, and I turned around. And I drive up, and this car is still sitting there, and and this guy's standing out in the pouring down rain, and the hood's open on his car. And if it's a flat tire, I could help, but the hood's open, and I can't help. I don't know who being open. I'm telling you, I, I'm just not mechanically inclined. I'll pay somebody to change my oil in 10 minutes, what will take me two hours. I mean, there is a cost-benefit analysis here. So I pulled up to this truck, and God says, well, are you not going to get out and check on him? <laughs> well, you just said turn around and see if he's all right. He come over here to me. You know, selfishness, I'm telling you, I got heart issues I'm working on. And so I get out of the truck in the pouring down rain. And I said, man, how can I help you? He said, well, I got a friend coming. He should be here shortly. I said, well, do you want to sit in my truck until, until he gets here? And, and, and man, just, I mean, it's, it's one of those floods, you know? I mean, and so within 10 seconds, you're just soaked from head to toe. And, and as, soon as, as soon as I said that, uh, a car pulled up behind me and said, no, there's my friend. We'll get it working. And I said, well, do you need anything? Do you need a blanket or something like that? He's like, no, we're already soaked anyway, but thank you so much for stopping. And I said, no problem. So I got back in my truck soaking wet, still mad, right? Because selfishness is before the grudge, spirit of grudge is after that we're going to deal with here in a minute. Still mad that I had to turn around and had to go help somebody. See, 
But God's saying, Joel, you got to work on a lifestyle of generosity. I'd have gladly stuck 20 bucks out the window and said, here, I hope this fixes your car. Why? Because that wouldn't have cost me nothing. <laughs> right? But in the moment, I had to deal with greed and selfishness. And so as I was driving back, soaking wet, I walk in the house and my wife said, what happened to you? I was like, Walmart happened to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said, I had to stop and help this guy on the way home, but it worked in me something. It worked out of me something. A spirit of, I'm really going to crucify myself and no longer live, but it's Christ that lives within me. And in that, it's more than giving a check out of your pocketbook. It's giving your life to something. So the very first thing is the Bible says here, if you see your brother poor or deficient in need in any area, do not harden your heart, but open your hand to the Lord and lend to him sufficiently what he needs. He didn't need a $20 bill in the moment. He needed somebody who could fix his car. So with that, lend sufficiently. Give of your life what people need. And how can you help and do that? And you don't have to teach, you don't have to teach people to be selfish. You don't have to. I've got two boys. Again, I'm talking about them. Don't tell them. I've got two boys, nine, and one's about to turn eight. And we didn't have to teach them to be selfish. Caleb loves the Xbox. And we have to set timers on the two days a week that they get to play Xbox. So they can share. Because they don't want to share. They're selfish. And when Caleb's timer goes off, it's like, Dad, can I play like three more minutes? I'm like, but it's your brother's turn. I don't care. Right? And then when Aaron's playing, the same thing. I want to watch a YouTube video. Don't judge me on our parenting skills. I just see some of y'all like, well, what kind of parents are they? Hey, we got it down to two days a week. Amen. Hallelujah. We're doing good. We're working on it. What, are we still at three? We're still at three days a week. We're working on it. That's the heart motives. We'll be honest here. See, I could have said, honey, they don't know the difference right when my kids were younger Caleb would be playing with a toy Aaron would come get a toy on the other side of the room you know what Caleb would do come from this toy run over here and say I was playing with that yeah mine and then so Aaron would drop it and go the other I was playing with that one too you don't have to teach people to be selfish it's natural but you have been born again and made supernatural. So instead of selfishness, there should be a heart of generosity that was birthed in you. When your born again birthday happened, when Christ came in and changed your life, there should have been a born again moment that transferred a heart of stone to a heart of generosity. But you got to work on it. You got to let God do something in your life. And so he said, don't harden your heart, but open your hand. And then he goes on to say this. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. So you can give and give a big check or you can give and give a lot of time. But if all you do is gripe and complain about it, then you, 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 you've missed it. So he says, take care. Take care of your heart is what he's talking about. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in you and say in your, in your heart and you say, the seventh year, the year of the Lord's release is near. Now let's talk about the seventh year. In the Old Testament times, if somebody was in, uh, needed something, they could go and get a loan or get repayment or whatever. And at the end of seven years, all debts were erased though. And they could start fresh. Hallelujah, praise God. How many of you like to go back to that system? Right? 
And so the Bible is saying here, don't tell yourself because we're about three months before the year of release starts that I'm not going to give to them because I'll never get paid back for it. He said, don't do that in your heart. Don't be like that. See, if that was still in place today, you guys would wait till six years, 364 days and go down to the local car dealership and buy the biggest, fattest car you could buy and say, yes, tomorrow it's free. Hallelujah. Tomorrow it's free. Well, see, you got heart issues then. You're trying to steal from people. It says, do you see a brother who's poor, truly in need? Don't harden your heart, but open your hand to him. And God said, I don't care if it's a day before the year of release. You as a born again child, be generous. Why would God say this? Because he was proving to them, you must always remember that you were the poor one in the land of Egypt at one time. And I sent a savior to you to bring you out of the land of Egypt, to bring you across the Red Sea into the promised land of God so you can be bountiful in everything that you have. In the New Testament, saying this, I want you to be generous with your lifestyle so you'll always remember the day that you were dying in abject poverty with no hope, no salvation, and you met my son called Jesus. And when the moment you met Jesus, you were brought out of darkness into the marvelous light of God because I gave to you. Yeah. See, the thing I struggle with most preaching this message in the churches, with myself and in the churches, have we forgotten so much about our born again day? that we don't even remember what it was like to be living in sin and get saved. Because I think back often on the day I got born again, and I remember the tears that were flowing down my cheeks on June 22nd, 1988. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the burden that literally was lifted off my shoulders, off my back in that moment when I was a kid. I remember it just as clear as it could possibly be, even though it was several decades ago. I remember it, and I have never gotten past that day in my life. And so uh, that's why it grieves me when I don't have a heart of generosity because I've forgotten how generous my God was when I was the poor one, when I was the needy one, when I was the one dying. He didn't hold anything back. He sent his only son. So we got to deal with the spirit of grudge. Grudge is this. It says, in the seventh year, the year of release, when it's near, and, you, and your eye looks grudgingly on your poor brother. Have you ever been like me? Gosh, help y'all. Pray for your pastor. He needs it. Have you ever been like me and you finally get over your selfishness and you give in the moment and you give generously of your life or your finances, whoever got it, but then on the other side of it, like you give that one awesome offering and then something breaks down in your, in your, in your car and you're like, see if I would have just had that money that I didn't give. Man, a few days ago, I was letting, I'm just going to air all my dirty laundry. I'm just going to tell you. A few days ago, I was letting some missionaries drive my Jeep. They're not here, so I can pick on them too. And I said, just drive it till you go back to the Philippines and stuff like that. And they had that thing four days. I had this thing 10 years and had one problem. How many? Nine years? Eight years? Something. <laughs> What's that? Children's department needs help, right? <laughs> Y'all, we're just going to be real this morning. I've blown time out of the water. All right, we got it. Here we go. And so with that, they had it seven days after I drove this Jeep eight years, you know, and didn't have hardly any mechanical problems at all, whatever. The radiator blows up. And I'm sitting here thinking, God says, and, and literally, I, I got the text message from my wife, and I read about it. I was like, and God, because it's when I was working on these messages, 
And God said, this is only a test, right? But it felt like I was on Sanford and so you remember Sanford? Oh, this is the big one, Ethel. You know, I mean, I mean, shot through the heart, man. It's like, how much? And I called the auto shop. He's like, it'll be about $400 to fix. And I'm like, oh, shot through the heart. And I'm like, well, they were driving it. They can pay for it, right? God said, you better pay for that and be generous. Had to deal with grudge. I was generous and let them drive it, and then they break it, right? And I had to deal with the spirit of grudge. But God looked at me and he said, Joel, you have the means to pay for it. You're sowing it into the kingdom. He said, do you not understand? I'm just trying to get my kingdom to you. And here's an opportunity to get the kingdom to you. And in your life, after the fact that you give, you've got to guard your eyes and how you look at things. Because if you don't, you're, you, you've overcome the spirit of selfishness and greed, but you're going to walk in the spirit of grudge. And when you give to the person who's homeless on the street and you don't know what they're going to use it for and you find out that they use the money wrong, you can't say, see, that's why I don't give to homeless people anymore. And that was 10 years ago. Well, get yourself a brand new experience. Listen, if we love to say it's all God's anyway, why do we act like it's ours? I mean, we can't talk out of both sides of our mouth any longer. Either it's all God's which it is, all gods, hallelujah. And so I must learn to not get so attached to the treasure that I begin to think it's mine. And we must replace the old G2 greed and grudge with the new G2. The G2 of give to give. The spirit of giving to give. And here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Many messages about finances are being preached throughout the kingdom of God where it is a give with the motive to get mentality. Now, I do believe when you give into the kingdom of God, God will move miraculously in your life in every way, shape, and form. Because remember, giving is a lifestyle. We're not talking about checkbooks here. It includes checkbooks, but giving is a lifestyle. And so with that, as people give, I want you to give with the motive of being able to give again, not being able to get something back into your life. See, God in his whole principle-based system set this up so he could give to give again. Now listen to how this works out. Jesus said this when he was about to go to the cross. He said, I was sent by God, okay, to you, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. But Jesus said this, it's better that I go and be crucified so God can give to you again. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who will then dwell with you forever and open up everything in the kingdom of God for you. So God says it's his good pleasure to open up the kingdom, but I can't do that because God gave me, but now I got to die so God can give again. This seems like a lose-lose thing for God because all God got back was me because he didn't give with the motive of getting. He gave with the motive of being able to give again and to give unto his kids again and to give unto his kids again because it's the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. It's the heart of God that he wants to give unto your life. And he said, I just want sons and daughters to operate like me. And God says, I give to give. Honey, can you hand me that cup and that water bottle? If... You've been beneficial in this message, by the way. <laughs> if I were to 
This is my son's hot chocolate. Cafe, y'all are amazing, by the way. Yeah, give Cafe a hand. If I were to give to get, I would pour this out so God could fill it up again. He fills it full. But when I change my heart motive of give to give, if I pour this out and God fills it back up, what's the only way I can get him to give? Uh, what's the only way I can give it again? Got to be poured back out. So God can fill it back up. So I can pour it back out. So God can fill it back up. So I can pour it back out. So God can fill it back up. This is what Paul said when he says, I've been poured out like a drink offering. See, God says, I'm going to give according to John 3, 16. Jesus said, because God gave me to you, I'm going to give my life on the cross. And when I give my life on the cross and I'm raised again from the dead, God's going to have the ability to give unto you again his Holy Spirit that begins to open up the heavens, which is his good pleasure to give again. So the opportunity for Joel in this is not to give so I can get filled back up. It's to give so God can fill it back up so I can pour it back out again. And so I can pour it back out again. And so I can pour it back out again. And I'm telling you, the last 12 days of my life have been a relentless process of pouring out from upper room nights to, to ministering in Oklahoma City to festival of plate nights to this morning. And there hasn't been a day off. And I woke up this morning and I said, God, I feel like I'm being poured out. And he said, good, you're finally getting there. You're finally getting there. Because it's not about you, Joel. It's about can you give so I can fill you back up, so you can give again, so I can fill you back up, so you can give again, whether it be financially, whether it be with the anointing, whether it be a lifestyle of generosity. doesn't matter what we're talking about. The principle is the same. He wants to give so you can pour it out, so he can give again to you, and you can give again unto others. So as we close this message this morning, I want to say this. At TWBC, this is what we believe. What do we give to? We give to the kingdom of God. What do we give to? We give to the kingdom of God, and according to Hebrews, it's more than the kingdom of God we're giving to. We're actually giving to the great high priest, Jesus Christ himself. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about how he is superior to any earthly high priest. And people would come and give an offering to the high priest every single year on all these different feasts that they were doing several times a year. We as a believer in the New Testament system, the process God has set up, when we give an offering to his kingdom, we're actually not giving it to a place. We're giving it to his kingdom and we're giving it to Jesus himself, the great high priest. So this ought to change your whole philosophy on tithes and offerings and blessed generosity altogether. That when I give to the kingdom, I'm giving straight to Jesus Christ himself who saved me, who transformed me, and who is interceding for me right now. So we give to the kingdom of God and to Jesus Christ. Where do we give it at? We give it at the storehouse. Now this church is a good storehouse. You need to go read the story of Jacob's Ladder in the book of Genesis before the law was even implemented. Read that story. It talks about what a storehouse looked like. It talks about there's spiritual things happening. Angels are ascending, descending. The presence of God is here. There's a transformed person in the process. God's transforming lives all over TWBC this morning. And in the past, he's been transforming lives. And those are some simple attributes that constitute this is a storehouse where God is working. His presence is known. And lives are transformed. And people leave different. Simple four attributes of a storehouse. I don't have time to go over that in this series. But we give to the kingdom of God at TWBC with this. 
with the heart of God. Because for God so loved the world he gave. So as you stand with me this morning. I want you to keep your eyes open. I don't want you to close your eyes. I don't want to get all religious. I want us to get serious. And as we're getting serious this morning, I want you to check your heart. If you've you've heard anything this morning, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And the first thing I want you to check is your heart. Does Jesus live there? I mean, you've been in church a long time, but is Jesus still there? Is he living there? Is he alive? Is he active? Does Jesus live inside you? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, I want these ministers on the side to pray with you this morning. And you come and make a decision for Jesus Christ so he can transform your heart of stone into a heart of flesh where he can write, according to his word, write his law and his love upon your heart. The second thing this morning is I want you to check your heart. If you know Jesus, but you have unrenewed areas in your heart, because in your life you deal with a lot of what Pastor Joel said in in my own lifestyle of greed and of grudge. Oh God, transform our heart to give and to give. And it's a simple prayer that you pray. Say, I break agreement with greed and grudge, and I receive a spirit of give and give. And God's going to transform your life. It's that simple when it's a prayer of faith. And so this morning, all over this auditorium, pray this prayer with me. And we say amen. The altars are open. Go to them. Come get your heart right. If you want to take communion, line up between sections one and two, and they'll be able to serve you the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But pray this prayer with me, and here we go. Heavenly Father, show me my heart. Show me that I know Jesus. And show me if I don't know Jesus. Heavenly Father, show me my heart. Show me where I deal with greed and grudge. And let me do work with you this morning. So you'll transform my heart to give and give. You have the opportunity now to go deal with your heart motives in this time of response as we worship. In Jesus' name, you're free to move out this auditorium.